wife and I were just, we're here, we're helping out. He needs the help. He's at that age where, uh, you know, can he live alone or is it, you know, or does he need to be surrounded? We're kind of in that window where, where we've just been here for the past two months, kind of gathering data, you know, and helping out. Um, so, and I'm, you know, releasing an album and shooting music videos. And the, the beautiful thing is that with, with technology, I've been able to do, um, all of it kind of from here uh, or most of it, you know, I was color correcting a video a, a week ago. Um, just, you know, just sitting here had, uh, was chatting with the crew in LA, um, uh, in the, in the studio and was able to just, you know, stare at both my phone and my computer screen. And we were making adjustments as we went. And the other part is I co-directed a video from here. They were able to get me live feed of the footage they were getting up in LA and it was incredible. And it was a great experience. But yeah, so, so hence here we are. I'm in my father-in-law's truck and my laptop is on a table on the patio, um, and it's working. So, hey. I'm shocked, yeah, and I'm glad that you painted that picture, because uh, we're not using the video, but I'm currently staring at a wheel well. <laughs> where your face should be i'm just like looking at a, a tire of this white truck right now oh that's hilarious i should actually give me one second this will be oh no it's fine it's no, not, no, 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 it's i'm gonna fine. point you towards the yard it's actually quite lovely it'll be a better image for you to stare at this is great content great content uh let's see here there, that's oh, there we go better, right? yeah um that's what Alpine, California looks like. Wow. Look yeah. at that. East County, San Diego. About 45 minutes east from San Diego. More context is that the reason why you are in the truck right now is because it sounds like like minutes before you signed on, everybody fired up their, uh, their yard <laughs> tools at the same time. Is that right? Yeah. I kind of came up with this plan yesterday because my wife has the one room in this house that has a door on it and is fairly quiet and away from all the noise, but that's her office. So whenever I need to have either a conversation with someone or a meeting or anything, I have to kind of figure it out because my area is the basement. However, there's no door. So, you know, everyone can hear everything I do and say, and it's, uh, it can be distracting and I can hear my, you know, my father-in-law and everything. And so I came out here, I was like, oh, I'll just like pull up a truck, uh, hit my, my father-in-law's truck up to the house. We'll have Wi-Fi. It'll be great. Um, and it'll be quiet. And then, of course, as soon as I brought the truck up here, every single weed whacker and chainsaw in the neighborhood was fired up. Um, and so, uh, so I, I, I'm surprised we can't actually hear all of them. So for all of those home recording, uh, people out there, just buy a Ford F-150. The soundproofing is quite good. It's a good vocal booth. Just park it in your apartment or wherever you podcast. Yeah. It's a pricey a vocal booth, but worth it. I say this because now the scenery has changed, and, and I'm looking at this. It's just incredible. It's less less a yard and more of a forest, which is, I mean, now now it makes sense that uh, there are are chainsaws in the area. I'm less concerned for your safety. Yeah, exactly. No, this is not Los Angeles. This is quite quite lovely. It's uh, it's it's country. 
It is the country, and I adapt very quickly to this. Yesterday, I went. I I was uh, on my father's uh, ride. I'm so such a city boy. I don't even know what it's called, but you know, a lawnmower that you ride. Yeah, riding and, lawnmower. I think is riding the, uh, lawnmower. Term. It's quite descriptive. Um, and I was just filthy. I was doing yard work and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go to the grocery store. Not going to change. Haven't showered. Totally fine. And, uh, yeah, this is me adapting to, to being an Alpine. This, this is the reality in LA. Um, I would be ostracized from the grocery store or whatever. I guess it depends on the grocery store. I feel like there's a lot of maybe health food kind of hippie establishments where you might fit in. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, so how are you? Where where are you in the world? I'm in Queens, New York right now. Oh, okay, wow. Base. I, I texted you a hundred tweet long thread of what I've been dealing with for the past, I guess, like two, two and a half years. Um, once the once New York opened up construction, it's basically been nonstop right across from me. Oh, you know, I do I do my podcast, and I was recording. A friend of mine does a NPR show, so I was recording some stuff for him. And and I bring this all up because definitely at the beginning of the pandemic, people's standards for audio quality lowered considerably. You know, much to my benefit, and I I think it's maintained to a certain extent. So I don't think I don't think a little bit of weed whacking in the background is the end of the world. But I'm glad that we figured out a better solution. <laughs> That's great. And I just got this mic off of Amazon because I, whenever I do this stuff at home, I have my own little setup, but obviously I don't have any of my gear. I mean, obviously you're very much in the promotional phase of things right now, but when you're out in a place like that, are you still recording or, or songwriting at all? Um, right now I'm not songwriting. I will pick up the guitar or sit at my father-in-law's piano that hasn't been tuned in 15 years and sounds like great in the, in the most funky way. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll play around and once in a while I'll fire up my recording, my note app on my, um, voice memo app on my iPhone, but not in the writing phase, mostly in the, oh crap, I haven't uh, sung in like uh, two, three months. My voice is probably really rusty and I'm probably going to need to perform at least some of these songs soon. So uh, warming up and singing, uh, basically f driving driving in the car, because as we've established, there's nowhere in the house that I could do this, but I, I would, I'll drive around and I'll sing uh a lot of the album just to kind of get my voice warmed up and to also get used to the songs because they're fairly new. Some of them, I, I <laughs> you still have like, what's the lyric on the second verse? What are the lyrics? I, I really need to know this. Um, so it's sort of in that, that phase of things. I tend to separate those things. If Even if when I'm writing down ideas and stuff, I'll purposely not be trying to, to 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 write lyrics or or get into details around any of these simple ideas. I, I'm like just gathering some ideas or beginning to gather ideas, but I haven't. This thing's not even out in the world yet, so I have to. I'm not good at multitasking. Let's just say that. So you know, I'm kind of 
focusing on that. And to me, I don't, you know, other songwriters and musicians are, are different. Everyone has their own process. But for me, writing a song is just requires all of my focus. And if I'm not able to give all of my focus to it, I don't do it. And so I just figure out some melodic ideas and, and a few little things that I go, okay, that'll, that'll be a song or that can be a song. But as soon as I start developing those things, it's just all encompassing. And I, 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 I try to purposely separate, uh, separate that from when I need to focus on other things, you know, I will tell you, and maybe you'll take some solace in this, but as somebody who interviews a lot of I have a lot of musicians on the show uh, that that I think that's pretty standard. And I think especially the more it turns from hobby to an actual career and the more uh, basically your life is dependent on you know, putting music into the world, people really do have to essentially create um, work hours and set aside, you know, specific times where they shut the door and just and completely focus on something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm always surprised when, when people, I hear, uh, people talk about their processes, 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 not smart enough to know the difference. Um, uh, when, (laughs) when I hear people talk about it and the, the, some, some people, it just comes to them and, and they'll write down, write it down on a napkin, you know, in a bar or something like that. Uh, for me, it's much more of a, I don't want to say struggle. The the idea, usually, if something doesn't come to me quickly, I don't find it's usually not worth uh, spending the time to develop it. So the, the idea and the, the ballpark of a thing, often it'll just show up and fall in my lap. It's really then, you know turning that into a finished product um is a goddamn nightmare but but a, a necessary one and i wouldn't have it any other way but that's usually like just trying to find a a short syllabic uh, precise uh, group of words that rhyme in order to say the exact thing I'm trying to, to, to say can be quite difficult. Sometimes not so much, but for me, the mo- for the most part, it is. Uh, I'll spend a lot of time and mental energy on it. And I, I often will wake up at three in the morning and decide that's the perfect time to think about it and, and, not, and avoid sleeping. I'm sure you're keenly aware of this as somebody who has, you know, made his life as a comedian and, and actor and musician. But this this is the kind of thing that you can only complain about to other musicians. For, <laughs> for everybody else who, you know, who like, I, well, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound mean. Uh, and maybe it kind of is. But everyone else who, you know, like works for a living. <laughs> oh, you yeah. can't really you, you can't you can't really complain about how difficult it is to finish a song. Oh my God, my wife works, uh, I would say, minimum 80 hours a week and is responsible for the lives of about a uh, 100 people at any given time. So trust me, when I walk in at the end of the day of sitting in my studio going, what rhymes with follow? And I walk in and she goes, how, how was your day? I go, it was great. It was great. No problem. <laughs> would you say that 
music is your primary focus these days? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think, yes, yes, um, and in, in all forms, right now, these days, I'm focusing on my, my Wolfie's Just Fine project, which is basically me being, uh, writing songs that are, are perhaps, uh, sincere and quote-unquote serious and, and not, not comedy songs, you know, there is humor in them, but it's more of a serious music project and it's my own and for the past few years now uh my main day job has been songwriting for film and and television whenever someone you know uh, hires me um but that that's kind of been my day job the on on the acting and the the comedian front i've been very very comfortable not being in front of the camera uh, as an actor or or a comedian or on stage as a comedian, and that's not to say that I, I I'm done with it. I, who knows, you know? But at this moment in my life, I'm really comfortable not being necessarily seen. You know, when all the Wolfies just find videos, I'm happy to hire actors to play parts and 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 all that stuff, and to to focus on either directing it or writing it or whatnot uh so i mean that is telling you know at the end of the day where i'm not really desiring that and and there's another side to it i'm not daniel day lewis you know i was (laughs) i played taco on the league because i'm pretty i'm i'm pretty good at playing that role and um and i there was a lot of improv and all that stuff so there's a lot of me there but you know, uh, I don't know that I'm the best person to hire in order to interpret someone's, uh, you know, screenplay or or character. I'm pretty specific, um, and I don't put that much work into it. And so, all that to say, I'm probably better at the songwriting thing that I am as a as a straight up actor, uh, and I I feel nothing uh, at all uh saying that i think that is actually very true you know it's funny that you bring up daniel day lewis specifically i mean obviously that's somebody you would reach for as a example of a, a very good actor but also didn't he basically quit acting after the phantom thread because he really liked being in the clothing design business <laughs> yeah and only yeah i heard that he retired and only he can do that wasn't he like a cobbler in in italy or something for a while his if, yeah, yeah yeah well at least you know i i hear stories but it's, just, it's just funny like speaking of you know somebody like changing careers i mean he <laughs> our, the yeah. finest actor of our time decided that it wasn't for him anymore yeah well i mean look i when I talk about songwriting be, being all encompassing, there's you know that's that's my version of it, which is insanely easy. The his the way he approaches role, at least roles, or at least how I hear he approaches roles, sounds like such a, like a nightmare that I would not I would not 
you, you can offer me the world. And are you talking two years of just being in character as Lincoln? No, please. No, I'd rather be a, a roofer in Southern California. Part of the reason why I ask, I ask about focus is because at the top of the conversation, you alluded to, I don't know, maybe this was hyperbolic, but you, you said that you basically hadn't sung in two to three months. And I'm wondering how somebody who is, you know, now a professional musician could go that long without singing. Well, I say that, but I do I so the the way that I sing normally is I'm sitting there and I'm writing and I'm playing guitar and I am singing to myself at a low volume. However, when I do actually uh sing um, either my songs or any other songs, I tend to sing at I, I need to 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 kind of belt a little bit and if I haven't done that in a while, this is very boring, but my upper range gets pretty weak, and I I don't have a great voice to begin with, and I'm not a trained singer, so it'll get pretty lazy pretty quickly. I would not win on, on the voice, um, particularly not when I haven't uh, uh, sung at full voice in a while. And that always, just because the way we live, you know, I'm not going to start belting while uh, either my father-in-law is in the house here or even when we're at home, you know, my, my wife has been working remotely for the past two and a half years. So I go to my little shed in the in the back, that is my studio, but my neighbors can hear me if I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. And so there's no real place to actually do that aside from um, when I was recording this, uh, this album. I, I was in Nashville and you're in the studio uh, with the producer and you're like, okay, I'm going to belt now. Cause I actually don't care whether or not anyone can hear me. And most likely no one can because I'm in an actual studio, but I'm realizing now that it's actually really important for me to belt even louder than I I'm going to sing these songs, um, for my voice, but also it's such a great release and it does something to the body to, 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 to let out those kinds of uh, sounds, but particularly at a high volume. So that that's the part I haven't done in two months, and I know uh, some of these songs r require it, and I don't want to be all of a sudden on stage at Largo, and I go, oh, shit, I haven't like actually done the high part <laughs> in this song in a while, and it just will... It, sounds worse it you know i don't want it to sound worse than it would when my voice is all warmed up you know yeah you don't want that the peter brady voice crack on stage <laughs> yeah exactly you know again i'm staring at this, this this beautiful backyard with all of these trees and and the first thought that crossed my mind you know you're you're usually in los angeles i'm i'm usually in new york and this was a, a, a you know for my for me personally, this is a really hard place to ride out the pandemic for two years, you know, in this one bedroom apartment in, in Queens. And I'm looking at this space and I'm thinking about the freedom that you have in a place like that to be able to sing at your top, the top of your lungs, which you, you know, can't necessarily do in, in a big city and, and thinking that, that, I don't know, this looks like it would have been a pretty good place to ride out the pandemic. Oh, my God. Yes, absolutely. Uh, way better than uh, Los Angeles. Or, I mean, New York. Uh, New York especially. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The The pandemic here, 
Well, also, I just think politically this area, it was probably like there was a pandemic maybe for a month. Um, you know, uh, but also, you know, there's so much space. Um, and uh, I can imagine that it was easy. We, because of my, my father-in-law is 81, um, of course, for that first long chunk of the pandemic, we, we just couldn't come down here, you know. Um, and then eventually the tests started becoming available and affordable. And so we would, we would make these trips down here. And it was so good for the soul to be able to just walk around outdoors and to be surrounded by space and trees. Um, yeah, it's a different, it's a different experience. Um, the, the pandemic here than it, it is obviously, um, in the cities. I was talking to a musician last night for the show and, you know, he said that his experience of songwriting during the pandemic was, you know, that it was difficult. And that, that's something I've heard a lot. Certainly, Myself as a professional writer, there were times when uh, it, it, it's very easy to to be overwhelmed by everything that's happening, and you know you get depressed, and it's really hard to be creative when you're depressed. But the flip side, and, and this is a really funny thing that happened um, as I was interviewing people fairly early on during the pandemic. I would ask them about their experience, and then they would get really quiet, and they would basically whisper into the microphone that the pandemic was great for them because, you know, nobody wants yeah. to admit that, right? Nobody wants to admit this thing that is killing millions of people is good for them. But I I've noticed that it's really, it's really kind of Polaroid, excuse me, it's really polarized among people when it comes to actually trying to be creative. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it really just, you're, you know, if you're doing okay financially or have some form of income, in those particularly in the, that first year, uh, yes, uh, it, that's, you know, if you can't, and if you can work from home, who the hell would not want to work from home? Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the whole, the whole divide. Like I, I was, I always work from home, you know? And so for me, my life didn't change. I got to see my wife a lot more, which was really lovely. Um, we, it, it, you know, I, I had nothing to complain about and I was actually still, I was, um, you know, Hollywood basically shut down. Um, but there were some shows that were still in production and, and because I have transitioned to being primarily a, a songwriter in that world, um, I was still getting, getting hit up uh, for, for work. And, um, you know, I had the two projects that I worked on throughout the pandemic. One, which was, uh, the after party, which was, um, on Apple TV, they had a whole, uh, episode that was a musical and that was months and months of work where I was just like sitting in my, my studio out back, um, or walking around in my neighborhood, taking, taking notes down and writing lyrics. Um, and then, uh, I had this other clone high, which is about to come out. I, I got to write a musical, uh, musical episode for that. So all that to say, I had friends who were just immediately out of work. Uh, and of course I'm not going to be like, this is actually great. My life hasn't changed all that much. And I have work and some income coming in. I'm happy about that, but yeah, of course I'm going to you know, say it on the, on the DL and hush, you know, in a hushed tone. Um, but yeah, like for me, it actually was a totally, I wasn't writing my own stuff. I was not 
feeling that kind of creative energy, but to have to write something for someone else's project uh, with very uh, specific guidelines, um, I was happy to do that, which is a different process. And I wasn't compelled to write my own stuff until later on at like 2021 and, and, and such. But, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a crazy thing that happened. It is very strange to, to look back and realize that we all, we all lived through that and it, and that it's still, it's still very fresh. I think it's something we're going to be processing for a long time. Well, it's also bizarre to like, so we were, I was in the grocery store here um, and there were like two employees who were just kind of like, you know, had a cold and they're like sneezing and, 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 and coughing and stuff. And I was like, Oh, okay. We're, we're actually right back to this point. You know, <laughs> like we just totally disregarded all of it. Okay. All right. <laughs> or people on planes who are, I'm fine with people not wearing masks on plane, whatever you do, whatever you do, you, but if you're sick, like, Come, I've been on planes where people are sick and coughing and aren't wearing masks. And you go, what? What are you do? Huh? What's going on here? I've had this happen a few times, but I think it was on the subway. I want to say, and somebody was just coughing without covering their mouth. And I was like, well, that you know, I mean, yeah. there should be some positive outcome from this. Like that, that should be the bare minimum. Yeah, that that should have gone. I get it. Some people want to hand to do the handshake. They still want to do the handshake. Fine. If you really want that, I'll give it to you. But uh, coughing publicly without covering your mouth, I'm not sure I'm on board, you know? As we're recording this, we're, you know, we're still very much in the middle of the writer's strike right now. Is that has that impacted you at all? Well, this is the thing about not really being in the industry anymore. Not Really, I mean, I do this on the songwriting side. Sure, there are no productions that are going right now, uh, and obviously, uh, as a songwriter, I am a writer, and I'm not. It's a different union and a whole different situation. I'm just in. I have tons of writer friends, and um, I'm just like in complete solidarity with them. It's been an insane. I would be shocked if you said anything, anything to the contrary. No, I mean it's it's absolute insanity what uh, the streaming services uh, have been able to get away with, um, you know, um, on a lot of levels. Um, but in, you know, the, on the the with with uh, royalties for writers in particular, it's it's absolute insanity. But no, it does for me. I'm I, you know i I've spent the past year and a half. Basically, you know, I'll I'll write, I'll do the, those gigs where, like, when I wrote for Clone High, I, it was yeah, about a two month gig. Um, but otherwise, I've been spending my time writing this album, being in pre production for it, flying to Nashville a couple times, uh, being out there and and recording this album. Great with a wonderful uh, human and very talented producer and arranger jordan lenning um i uh we worked on this album i mean i want to say for a year and a half together um and so my life's primarily been that and then just life stuff you know uh life has been pretty 
uh, tumultuous the past couple of years. Um, I, I lost my father, uh, tons of, tons of just like, you know, life things that happen around this age. My father-in-law right now is kind of, you know, he's at that age where he, he needs uh, more and more help. And that, that's, you know, that's part of life. And I have eight brothers and sisters and they all have uh, kids. And I, I have 15 nieces and nephews. There's just a lot to occupy my time and attention. And, uh, my wife is a, a, a real person with a, a real job. Not, she doesn't sit around figuring out how to rhyme things all day. And so, uh, you know, supporting her however I can, that's, that's also a big part of it. So, uh, all that to say, my life, you know, is, is that mainly, um, so it, the writer strike doesn't directly affect me, but it, it affects a lot of my friends. I implicitly know the kind of the underlying response here, but, uh, how does one end up with eight siblings? Uh, unprotected sexual intercourse. Yeah. Well, that's what friend. I was getting at, but I feel like, there yeah. might be some, you know, some other, uh, less uh, gratuitous answer. My Parents, when asked, they just kind of, there's no great answer. They just, they're just like, yeah, they just felt, they stopped when they decided that was the right number. You know, I guess they just kept feeling like, well, no, maybe there's one more. We'll get it right next time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ooh, this one's an artist. No, 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 we need another. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're, they wanted a large family, uh, but it doesn't, when I asked my mom about it, she doesn't seem to think it was planned. It just kind of kept happening. It's kind of like we're all, all of our names start with a J. Um, and, you know, they are also, you know, the Pentecostal sort of in the evangelical Christian world. However, Canadian, so there's a little less edge than than your your evangelical. No, no down snake here. handling up there. No, there's mostly the love your neighbor kind of vibe, you know. But yeah, you don't implicitly have to vote for someone because you uh, you you're a fan of Jesus Christ, that kind of thing. But it was still you know a pretty intense uh, you know environment. Um, and so a lot of people think it's related to that, but no, they're they're Protestant that they were allowed to 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 use contraception, and uh, and they they don't seem to think that the Jays everyone tends to think oh because of Jesus and they're like no we just the first three names ended up being Jays and we decided why don't we just keep going with it so <laughs> all I have to say it's a lot of boring answers to uh, something that is fairly, uh, you know, unique these days, which is uh, that many children uh, from two people, you know? You mentioned losing your father, and that's something that I think really looms large over this record in a big way. It That happening so recently, and now, you know, being down there caring for your sister's father is is that bringing back is that kind of reopening some of those wounds um well oof. i mean inevitably those wounds are still just wide open um i don't know i tend to have um 
I can compartmentalize my emotions quite well. And so inevitably, of course, um, and at the same time, it's not like directly accessible in, um, in, in this. Uh, and I also feel like he's, he's, he is also totally like, okay. You know, it's different being in the presence of someone who you know is going and you know is going soon and there's not much that you can do about it. There's not much that they can do about it. It's just the reality of it. And for me, um, and particularly, you know, with my father's my father, um, I, that, that I, I, it wasn't really a plan to, to sort of have this record be about that. It's just inevitably, um, you know, that those months of being in Montreal with my father, seeing him, uh, really, you know, uh, be in this place where it was fairly clear, you know, that he wasn't going to be around for long. We didn't know, you know, how soon or how long he, he would, he'd be around before he went, but it took about, you know, he was diagnosed probably in, I want to say April or May. And he passed January 3rd, 2022. Um, and so the, just, just to, if to, to speak about the, the record, uh, it, it started because I, I don't, didn't have a plan to, 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 to write a Wolf is Just Fine album or, or anything really. Um, but you know, losing my father at the, at the, uh, at the funeral, I played and sang a song uh, that I wrote for him uh, 20 years um, ago. That song is it's just it's called Song for Dad. It's on it's on the record. You know, I wrote it as a 22-year-old. Uh, it was obviously a different dynamic between me and my father. And I I kind of it was really impossible to get through at the funeral, but you know, I, I, I sang the song and, um, he always, since I had given him a copy of that song 20 years ago, he had asked me to release it. He just kept saying, you should put this song out. It's really good. You should put this song out. It's really good. And I tried to explain to him, you know, I've been through a few different iterations as a, a, you know, quote unquote public uh, figure, but you know, I'm the the guy who makes silly YouTube videos about getting stoned, and I'm also then Taco from the League. I kept trying to explain to him that me releasing a sincere song about how I love my dad, you know, it, it's I'm not sure how that would uh, how that would you know be received, um, and and then you know eventually I I. I created the wolf is just fine thing which was just a way for me to to release my my own music all that to say i played it at the funeral and my brother-in-law and my brother both who are very they don't speak very much they don't say many things to me particularly not about my music or about anything um and they both my brother-in-law said, you know, that's the best song you ever wrote. And I was, like, very moved by that. Um, and then my brother Jason, who 
just he he doesn't talk about you know any of any, any of this kind we don't really we discuss wrestling and 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 sports together and you know and we you know all that kind of stuff um but he was like you know that that song i think that's a really good song and i think people could you know relate to it and it's you know he said all these really lovely things about it and so i and then my wife said you know what? You could release it. You could re-record it and release it for Father's Day. This is in January, and Father's Day is in June. And I, it just that that made so much sense to me, and and I really just uh, I knew would make my father incredibly happy uh, for me to do that. And so uh, the decision was made to do that. And then I just I kind of I didn't know who the who I would, how I would, would record it, um, if I'd release the old version or, or, or what I was going to do. I was just, that was the plan. And so, uh, long story short, I, <laughs> maybe a few weeks later, I'm at my mother's house where, you know, the whole family, we're just trying to help my mother get her footing. They've been together for 50 years. Uh, you know, she's, you know, obviously, and this is, this is a pretty rough window, you know? And so we're all, all there trying to, to help in, in every way that we can. And I'm just taking a bathroom break, scrolling through Instagram. And, uh, I, I land on, uh, Matt Berninger's page and he just has this 15 second clip of a song. He says, oh, I recorded this duet with, this artist, I didn't know her, Caroline Spence, uh, listen to it. It's out now. And, uh, I, I just, the little snippet was, was intriguing enough to me for me to go listen to the song. And it Im- immediately, I was like, okay, whoever did the arrangement on this, whoever produced it, I'm so curious because whoever did this, first of all, it's super cinematic and this person gets emotion like in and you can you can just just tell you know in in the production itself and the arrangement and so i kind of googled it and i on all music eventually i was able to kind of find this guy jordan lenning who uh to my surprise he did the arrangement the string arrangement he produced it, mixed it, and then played half the instruments. And I just was like, well, I, I need this person in my life. And, uh, I don't know who they are. I don't know. I don't know where he is in the world. I like found his email somewhere. I can't even remember where. Sent him a cold email, kind of was explained the situation. I talked about my, the song for my father. And I was like, and maybe we can turn it into an EP if I have other song ideas. Um, but the main thing is to record this song for my father. And you, you, I love what what you've done here. And he's also, once I started Googling him, he does film scores, which hence the, his, the cinematic vibe. He did this film score for this movie, Old Henry, which I absolutely love. Uh, it's one of the best modern Westerns I've seen in a while. And it's very sparse, very eerie score. And so immediately I was just like, okay, I want you to do it. Are you into it? I sent him some of the music I've, I've recorded in the past as Wolfie's just fine. He was into it. 
we had a phone call. I booked an Airbnb in Nashville, in East Nashville, close to where he uh, his studio is, and uh, we just I just went out there. Uh, well, let me rewind a little bit, uh, and then I just then the songs started pouring out having that that date on the calendar knowing that we were going to record the song for my father all of a sudden i just kept writing song after song sending them to him being like well we can pick and choose which songs we want to do uh on the cp whether it's like three songs or a five song ep but i kept sending him songs and he was like i really like this i think we should record it and I, I was, you know, one after the, after the next. And then eventually he was just like, is this an LP? Is this a, is this a full record maybe? Do you think? And I was like, I don't know. Do we have time to focus on, on, on a full record? How long is that going to take? He's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about that stuff. Just if, if we have a record here, we should make a record. And, uh, so eventually I had 10 songs and I, I flew out to Nashville, like maybe three months later, to do the first round of, of tracking. Um, but all of that, because that it was all surrounding the idea of re-recording this song for my father. And then in, inevitably all, all the songs in some way or another, even if it's not directly are somehow about some form of grief, some form of transition, some form of death, uh, and hopefully in the end, the celebration of this, this very temporary moment we have here as, uh, beings that are alive in space and time, you know, that inevitably that's just all in there consciously or not. Um, and, and then the last song I, no, not the last song I wrote the, one of the first songs I wrote, which was maybe a month after my father passed was the last song on the record, which is called When You Go. And uh, that one is just kind of about what, what, what I was talking about earlier, which is that moment when you just know the person's going. You can't ask them to stay. They know they're going. You're in this little window where there's nothing really to say to each other. And the only thing I could think to say is I'm going to be sad when you're gone. You know, that's, that's it. Um, and that song I, I recorded a demo for, um, which for me, you know, I'm, I'm, I, again, I, I know that I am still taco and I'm still, I still do comedy and I still, so I sent that, just this raw demo, you know, that's my voice is cracking because I'm can barely get through this song. I sent it to Jordan and I'm like, look, this is uncomfortably uh, sincere for me, but this just came out like real fast. And, uh, it's true. I don't know if it needs to be on this album or not. Uh, but you know, it's, it's pretty uncomfortable for me to, to share something like this. And so I sent it to him and he said, F you for making me cry. I hate crying. And you have to record this song. Um, and I, and so, you know, that's, we, we knew that that would be the last song on the album. And then the first song would be everyone is dead except us. And then everything in between we were, we would figure it out, but that kind of gave a structure to the album. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, hey, people dying sucks. You know, in the end, that's in the, that's the there's not much more to it. There's nothing to do about it. it. Fuck, it sucks. When Eric emailed me to suggest an interview with you, he said you might remember him as Taco, and I said yes, of course I remember him as Taco, and I rem- I remember his hit song about Yobagoya. <laughs> that is a that is a big hurdle, right? I mean, I know, like for me as a listener, the first time I, ha- having first learned about you through that show and knowing about your comedy, there's almost this sort of weird, uncanny moment of recognizing your literally your your voice mm-hmm. as a comedy voice, and then having to go through this adjustment to hear you singing these songs is, is is earnestness something that that doesn't come easy for you is it is it more difficult than doing the funny stuff uh publicly yes uh in my life i think most people who know me know me as a pretty boring quiet guy who is can lighten up a little bit you know <laughs> But publicly, um, you know, uh, yes, it is, it is more difficult, less so now, you know, I'm 42 and I'm, I'm actually getting to the place in my life where I'm like, I think it's just, it's interesting to do different things, uh, and to be radically sincere and then also do write a silly song here and there and to, and to write these silly self-aware music and for a show like Lone High. Like I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's, it's, uh, it's probably a little jarring. Uh, and that's totally fine. And I, um, when I started doing the Wolf is just fine stuff, I avoided releasing quote unquote serious music for so long because I, I was like the trope of the actor who has a band you know, like Jared Leto, uh, even uh, the Billy Bob Thornton, like all these, you know, people who are like, and they have a band. Um, I was very, maybe even too aware of that. And so I really avoided that for a very long time. And then eventually I was like, well, if it's not my name and if I'm not in the videos, it might help people to hear the song and then find out it's me, you know, um, because I'm not, you know, delusional. I know that if, if Will Ferrell released an album, I would hear Will Ferrell's voice. And even if it were great, it could be Abbey Road. You'd be like, I don't know, man. I don't, I can't, I just kind of want to laugh the whole time because it's Will Ferrell, you know? Um, so I get it, you know, this, I knew the entire time, and I, I even know with this album in particular, because this one is 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 uncomfortably sincere in moments. Uh, it's totally fine if if some people are like, I can't, I just can't listen to Taco <laughs> sing about this stuff or be be this serious. Um, hopefully, on the album, there are songs that don't come across as that self-serious. You know, I have a song about being good at Mortal Kombat 2 and a song about watching Hulk Hogan slam Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3. Uh, inevitably, there's humor in all of it, and it's and it's me. You know, I'm not doing an impression of Tom York when I'm I'm working in under Wolfie's Just Fine. It's still, 
it's still me. But I also get, you know, uh, if I post a video on, on, on my YouTube channel, a Wolf is Just Fine video, you know, often there will be, oh, like surprise of like, you know, oh, wow, you're, you're, you're good at doing this kind of thing. I mean, that's like the best case scenario. But inevitably, 50% of it is like, everyday normal guy three. Come on, we want an everyday normal guy three. We get it. You, you, We get it. You you can write serious music. We don't care. And that's totally fine. You know, I don't, I don't, uh, I get it. I get it. Like, again, you know, I, I always try to think of like, if Will Ferrell released a great album, I do, would I care? I don't know that I would. Um, and so for me, it's always been the best case scenario is someone hears something by Wolfie's just fine shazams it and saves it without knowing anything and then eventually down the road they go oh shit it's that guy uh just to hopefully help them hear the music first i mean that's why i'm not you, there's no picture of me anywhere and it's it not your name Wolf. and it's not my name all that stuff just because i want whether or not people will like the music that i'm making uh, I, I don't know, but I want to give the people who would enjoy it, even if there are very few people, to to give them the best chance to, to just listen to it on its own merits and then go, oh, yo, Taco did that. That's weird, you know? I know this is sort of an overused term these days, but I wonder if there is ultimately an element of of imposter syndrome in that, you know, obviously there's the there's a one level of earnestness being difficult and, and, and it, and it can be for, for anybody. I mean, even if they're not a professional comedian, it's, it's hard to really bear your soul, but at a certain point, do you start to internalize that? And do you start to doubt your, your own abilities to be serious because of this other life that you lead? Well, the good news is I've had imposter syndrome in Every <laughs> every version of my creative path, uh, particularly as a comedian, you know, uh, and as a musician, as a, a I you know I I direct all of the the Wolfies Just Fine videos as a director, as a writer, as a as a guy who writes. I've had, I mean, my God, I was put in charge of writing all of the songs. For the Lego movie, too. Uh, it wasn't planned. I just kept writing songs, and they wanted me to, to, to continue. And eventually, they were like, well, you're the guy. And I was like, are you out of your mind? I've never done this before. You're putting it all on me. You know, so that happens with everything. Um, I think with the thing that has changed for me, um, and obviously it has a lot to do with like losing my father and those big moments where you do realize we're just here for who knows how long. And it's really, it's directly in front of you and emotionally you're so end up being so connected to what's important and what is not. Um, and in that grief and in that, that sort of, in the face of my own mortality, you end up going, oh, it's, yeah, just, just, just do whatever you, you feel like you should do because there's what, what, who am I going to make anything for if it's not 
that's something that feels true to me, you know? I appreciate the, you know, the, the, the Zen approach, and, and I know that that's an overarching theme on this record. But I, I know for me personally, you know, you hear this stuff and, and you you recognize on, on it on, uh, something like, you know, we have a limited amount of time on Earth, and let's enjoy it. You recognize that it's true on its face, but that doesn't doesn't make it easy to accept, and it doesn't make it easy to carry out your life according to those rules is this is that kind of thing something that comes naturally to you i think that comes for me no no i'm i'm a i've been a anxious uh wreck my entire life and so worried about how people perceive me um but i think that's just you know i uh, being I don't know. I don't know. Being 42 and being, and, and, and being a big part of quote unquote, not feeling like I'm, I'm like cool, like in a, not in like a bad way, not in a good way, but just being like, Oh no, it's not my responsibility to be, be, have this, this other thing that I've kind of wanted or had at certain moments in my life. That's not that, you know, I, there are tons of people of all ages who are are, are really awesome, and 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 even me just using the word "cool" is uncool. Um, but just being like, "Oh yeah, that's that's not," I don't have to worry about that anymore. For some reason, I'm at a point in my life. I've I've I'm married. I'm I'm 42. I've I've kind of done a lot and uh, a lot of different things that were. Some were a little more in the sort of uh, cool factor, public, uh, whatever, whatever. Um, and right now in my life, I'm like, I'm not cool. I'm a 42-year-old dude who writes songs about being good at Mortal Kombat when I'm 13. You know, I, I, if I let go of anything, any attempt to be, I, I, I'll because I'm old, I'll say Tom York. All of a sudden, I'm like... Oh, this is actually quite nice to be in this place, for better or worse. I'm not saying <laughs> that's, you know, there's there's probably something lost along the way in that, but you know, I, I've spent a lot of time worrying about that, and uh, just for some reason in the past, well, I won't say for some reason because of life and age, all of a sudden I let that go and. Um, you just, you know, uh, the, the, the true challenge then becomes, well, if I'm not trying to make something that's like cool or innovative or, or something that's going to like blow people's minds, what am I trying to do? Why am I making anything? And in the end for me, it's, I don't like, I don't know what that is, but if something kind of just, uh, it shows up, and I feel like it represents something I'm a question I'm asking or, or a struggle I'm having or something that I'm processing and, and it feels true. And by the end of the process of recording it and it being a complete thing, I can sit back and go, yeah, that represents something that I've been hashing out in this moment in my life. And I like the way that it sounds. It sound, it accurately sounds like that thing that I'm, that that is is very present in my life right now 
that's as much as I can do. And because, you know, the, yeah, I, 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 again, I, I'm going to say that while also acknowledging it makes me sound way more Zen than I am that when I put out this album, if three people listen to it and most people are like, ah, it's not my favorite album, it's going to crush me. And then I'll try my best over the next two years to become super cool uh, and hip again, you know? <laughs> you know, I noticed in, in the press material, it might have been the stuff that, that Eric sent me. Um, it was talking a little bit about Taoism. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering how that fits into all of this. <laughs> oh, interesting. Oh, Jesus. That makes me sound like an authority on it. It's more a question of, you know, because we're talking about coping with grief and we're talking about learning to appreciate things in the moment. We're talking, I know Zen is connected to Buddhism, but we're talking about being Zen. Um, it seems to me that, that, that Taoism for you would or should have a function in all of those things. Would I, hmm, how do I, well, I will say this. My father, Paul Emile Lajoie, or I say Lajoie because that's how we pronounce it in Quebec, but everyone else pronounces it Lajoie, so I've, I've shifted the pronunciation, funny enough. But Paul Emile Lajoie, who's French-Canadian, uh, he, he taught me a lot of things, and there are a lot of, of um, him and his beliefs, even though our beliefs differ in in the specificity of uh, you know he's was quite evangelical Christian uh, based. Um, I he lived his life like he would try to do as much good in the ways that he could control. Um, in his community, in his family. Uh, with his friends and on a societal level to a certain extent, but anything that he could directly uh, affect uh, and be helpful with and, and show and people that he could show love to, he, he was all about it and spent a lot of time thinking, caring um, about that and those people and the stuff that he could not um which mainly uh would end up being those bigger societal questions like you know politics and the the future of humanity you know to say the least uh he i don't know for better or worse there was this feeling from him on those big questions but also there were things that he just could not, there's no way to control. And he seemed completely fine about that. Be like, we would have these conversations. Sometimes I'd be like, you know, in my head about something and trying to explain to him a problem I'm having. And he would just kind of go, oh, don't worry about that. that that'll pass. Or, or oh, I, I get it. That Yeah, that's complicated. Um, and just like not, <laughs> not say anything else just kind of like have this knowing vibe that yeah that's actually not not productive to 
spend your time on. Uh, in the meantime, hey, the neighbor's going through some shit. Uh, can you bring over this this soup? You know. Um, and so I think I got a little bit of that from my father. Inevitably, there's a there's a Taoism to that, which is is you know, life and the universe is happening whether you like it or not. You know, are you going to swim against the stream or are you going to put your feet up and float with the stream and do what you can as you float? Avoid some rocks, maybe paddle to the left a little bit once in a while and to the right. Um, but the, the, the stream's going and, you, you know, it, it is counterproductive to swim against the stream. And you can always feel that. I mean, I feel that when I'm in my most... Uh, I, f- I fucking hate everything that I'm saying right now. But when I'm like the most <laughs> spiritually grounded, you know, when I'm in that place and it's so clear the thing that I'm supposed to focus on and, and, and the stuff that is fluff that I should really let go, let go of because there's no point. There's no point in spending time in my life as the person that I am, uh, focusing energy on those things. Um, it's always clear. I I think we all have our own way of having, having that sort of internal GPS for some weird reason. I'll be like, yeah, there's something to this writing about my own experience uh, as a kid watching Hulk Hogan slam Andre the giant WrestleMania three, at my grandmother's house watching it on television, it's important for me to write about that and to write about the joy that is accessible to children, that was accessible to me, that is no longer accessible to me, and I long for that. There's a grief related to to not being able to feel that kind of emotional euphoria around anything in life, let alone watching two grown men in spandex duke it out, pretend to duke it out. Um, but for some reason, like if I were to follow my intuition, that's that's a thing that that feels correct to me. My intuition always, like with with my wife and our relationship, that's clear. You know, uh, there there are so many you know, the important things in my life, I kind of know when I'm, when I'm grounded and when I should be doing something or, or shouldn't. And it's not a religious thing. I don't know. And as I'm talking, I'm immediately judging everything that I'm saying. And I'm like, you fucking idiot. What are you even talking about? Is what's happening in my head. And I know that that's that's not, you know, that's that's not my intuition. That is my self uh, judgment. Uh, that is uh, never too far away. <laughs> <laughs> 